Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. I'm Jonathan White and you join us in a week where it seems the country can't decide whether a Chinese flu or a Chinese technology firm poses a greater risk to the nation. Time will tell. Uh, Remember when leaving the European Union was meant to be the scariest thing imaginable. While all this goes on, of course, the country and the economy keeps ticking along. And to prove the point, we're joined here today by Marcelo Bustamante, Managing Director of Fuse Innovation. Marcelo, welcome. Thank you very much, Jonathan. Pleasure to be speaking with you. Thank you for inviting me on the podcast. Uh, Not at all. It's a pleasure uh, to have you um, on today. And I thought we might start, Marcelo, if it's um, all right with you. You've had... um, a great career uh, in the sector, but I'd like to talk about specifically about what it's like to start your own business for the first time. What are some of the skills you need, and especially when it comes to uh, those qualities revolving around leadership? It's a lovely question, really, because it makes me think back to the very early days of when I became a business owner, um, and I quite literally went one day sitting on one side of the desk where I was being led by my my bosses. Mm. So the next day, um, being involved in my own business, uh, a small uh, startup company that I bought into, and sitting on the other side of the desk where I became the leader. Uh, And the the onus was on me to build a team and to grow the, the company. So I like to think that when I got involved with the company in the early days, I um, had some pretty strong leadership skills. But certainly, I think that the the journey and the knowledge of becoming a good leader, it's a never-ending journey. There's always room for improvement. There's always weaknesses that can be strengthened. Um, So absolutely key, um, the role the leadership um, took upon me in the early days was critical to assembling the team and to helping grow the business. Absolutely. And knowing what you know now, because it was a number of years ago now, um, and maybe it's a bit of an unfair question, but what advice would you give uh, yourself then uh, if you could speak to that old self of yours from today? Hmm, a really good question. I, I remember in my early uh, days of becoming a business owner uh, and, uh, and a leader um, that I read this great quote, and it was, you don't build a business, you build a team. And then you let the team build the business. And I never forgot that quote. I don't know um, who said it, but uh, it's very unforgettable in my world um, because building a team does require leadership. And for me, uh, it was very important to me to get to know my team very well and establish what are their strengths, establish their weaknesses. Um, My leadership style is very much one where I like to develop a a strong degree of trust between me and the people that I'm working with. hopefully inspire them um, to work with great integrity um, to build confidence in them as a, uh, as a team um, and hopefully uh, to, to become a good role model to not necessarily teach people but have them watch how I work and to be inspired um, because I like to think that leadership skills is not something you should really impose upon people. You can't really um, teach people that don't want to be led. Uh, or lead people that don't want to be led, but hopefully you can inspire people um, to work the way that you want them to work and to become the best version of themselves. And you really do need to get to know people very well to be able to identify their strengths and have them do lots and lots and lots of what they're good at, because that makes people happy. Mm. Uh, and happy um, 
uh, employees certainly um, tend to, to work more enthusiastically. And I think you've really hit the nail on the head there, haven't you, Marcelo? To be able, it's so important to be able to identify the strengths and indeed weaknesses in the team around you and make sure you can bring out those strengths in the most uh, useful way for everybody. Um, now, a lot of people, uh, uh, you know, have drawn on uh, inspiration from others, whether that's a personal figure or a public fellow. Uh, Marcelo, was there anybody in your career uh, that did that for you that perhaps you, and you still today uh, look up to for inspiration? Yeah, I think in my in my very early days, um, as a youngster in my late teens and early twenties, mm. it's a bit of an unorthodox one. But Arnold Schwarzenegger was was a key role model Fair of mine, um, and and I liked everything about his journey from when he had very humble beginnings mm. um, with a very very strong vision, um, and he worked very hard to achieve his goals and turn his vision into reality. And that vision, um, as a youngster from Austria. Um, was a strong vision that took him all the way into politics and movies. And he had the the, the foresight to visualize where he wanted to be and then carve out a master plan um, to become that future person that he visualized. Um, so he would be uh, probably my earliest um, role model and, and, and leader, someone yeah. who I looked up to. And, and in my later years of business, very much um, Richard Branson and, and Alan Sugar, all, although very, very different leadership mm. styles, um, I, I did uh, enjoy learning about how uh, they grew their businesses and how they became the business leaders that they are today. Oh, without it, and you know, Schwarzenegger is such an interesting uh, character. Not only, of course, people these days, perhaps apart from the films, uh, know him as the uh, uh, former governor of California, but uh, the business he's built, the worldwide business he's built, is just extraordinary. And you can tell um, half of the success has to do with the passion he has for it um and who's to say you know if it wasn't for that little clause in the american constitution that says you have to be born in america to be president probably wouldn't have, it that probably is the only thing that stopped him from going on from the governor of california governorship of california to running for president but isn't passion so important in what you do on a day-to-day basis Marcelle? i think so because um passion and enthusiasm it does inspire um you don't necessarily have to be a um a, a an outwardly over characteristic um, person, your personality doesn't have to be larger than life, but you do need to be passionate about you what you do because that shows, it comes through as enjoyment um, and then hopefully people will follow in your slipstream um, because like I said earlier being happy and, and people enjoying working with you and enjoying working for you and being part of the team is very important uh, and that does all stem down from being passionate mm. Now taking a step back from uh, that particular theme at the minute as the market currently stands, what are your uh, uh, thoughts about it at the minute and the prospects of it for the next 12 months ahead? Well, I have to say the last 12 months behind us, mm. um, it has affected my business. Um, mm. Really, if nothing more than uncertainty, people not knowing what's going on. Um, and the typical um, client base of mine, the, the people that buy my products and, and repeatedly order my products from me, um, not quite knowing how to spend their money, whether to hold on to it and bank it, uh, or whether to spend their their marketing budgets on, on products such as mine. Um, so I have to say last year was a bit of a challenge. I'm pleased to have made it through the year. Um, I was um, optimistic um, to make it through the year and knowing that 2020 
um, with Brexit and with um, a lot of change ahead of us, um, I was hoping and rooting for positive things. And I have to say, with a bit of a, a, a glint or a twinkle in my eye, I do have higher hopes for 2020 uh, than what I did for 2019. I did always have a bit of a, a gloomy rain cloud outlook on 2019. So I have to say, I'm, I'm pleased um, to, to have entered into a, a new year and a new decade with lots of political change. Uh, and I think something to look forward to. Yes, and I think, um, uh, bearing in mind, I think... The uncertainty you bring up, Martin, is so important. But whether you voted Remain or Leave all those years ago now in that referendum, I think, well, just in the world of business, certainly people are satisfied and happy that finally we we know at the very least that uh, we will be leaving the European Union. We can plan accordingly. Um, Marcelo, time has completely caught up with us. So I'm afraid I'm we're going to have to bring to a close there. But it's been an absolute uh, pleasure. Uh, discussing that and leadership with you. Uh, I hope very much we can sit down in the months ahead and talk again. Thank you so much, Jonathan. Real pleasure. And I do hope I'll pass across again one day soon. Uh, thank you, Marcelo. That was Marcelo Bassamante of Fuse Innovation. Still on the theme of leadership, and if you haven't heard it before, up now is our interview with Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, we're now joined, uh, though, by former England footballer and still the only man to score a hat-trick in a World Cup final. Sir Jeff Hurst, uh, thank you very much for coming on today. Uh, You're welcome. You're welcome. Good afternoon. Uh, and perhaps I should uh, start and get it over and done with. I know you must be bored with it and uh, you've probably been asked a thousand times. But when you got out for a duck playing for Essex, uh, Jeff, what was going through your head at the time? <laughs> well, of course, that's not one of the most asked questions I get. Oh, there, there are one or two people who are very familiar um, who, who do Google me realise that I did... Uh, score nothing for Essex, uh, for my only game for Essex first team when we played against Lancashire in Liverpool, a place called uh, uh, Egbert in, in, uh, in Liverpool, many, many years ago, 1962, I think that was. So I didn't, um, yes, I, I didn't really feel it at the time. It was lucky to be <laughs> playing, I guess, with one or two injuries. Um, but the problem that I had was, was really messing about between the two sports. That was very detrimental to me uh, over that period of time being stuck between the two sports and I think uh, for those that uh, don't know there's a there's a, another world that might exist where um, Sir Jeff Hurst was a, a first class cricketer and not perhaps a, a footballer but um, whether it's business or cricket or, or football obviously the importance of leadership it can't be understated no matter what form that comes in when you were at West Ham uh, Jeff, and when um, Ron Greenwood first uh, uh, came along, he made obviously some pretty radical changes. Was this a man that genuinely inspired confidence uh, the first time you'd meet him? Absolutely. I mean, he, he was simply a, a fantastic uh, coach or teacher, if you like, at the football. And uh, the, the quite always mentioned when we talk about Ron Greenwood, Harry Redknapp, who was played under him, and uh, been very successful as a player and, and the manager over many, many, many years. He um, he's come across many coaches, of course, and managers during his time over years. I guess he would still say that Ron Greenwood is the best coach he had worked with. He worked with. So you're very fortunate. I think you you think you're lucky when you come across if you have a great teacher at school and a great coach as we had in Ron Greenwood. 
and of course a great manager in South Ramsey. So to come across people like that of that caliber can have a huge influence on your your career, of course, and, and then your life. And that's that's quite purely the case. Absolutely. And in those early days um, at West Ham, uh, with with a manager like like uh, Ron uh, there. It's also important to have uh, uh, confidence with your other players. And of course, they become your friends. Who did you look at to at the time uh, when to inspire confidence in yourself? Was it more? Was it Peters? I think probably, well, I was very fortunate to play with the caliber of the players I did. Again, mm-hmm. again, extremely fortunate to play with you know, the captain um, of England and West Ham and Martin Peters who was a fantastic player. And some, as far as Martin's concerned, I think sometimes he didn't quite get the uh, recognition he deserved. What a wonderful player he was. In terms of inspiring confidence, I always probably say that the biggest influence uh, for me, I guess, would be the captain, Bob Moore. Although he was only uh, about eight months older than me, he graduated through the system probably three or four years earlier. He played for England in 62, four years before the final when I played and so he, he was more looked upon him more as a senior player if you like not as a, a guy with the same age group as me and I looked at how he how he uh, trained how he acted how he behaved and how he played and so he he would say I would also say he was a big influence on me one thing I would say about leadership uh, well I do I do understand clearly in all walks of life leadership is at the top is absolutely vital for a, a for a business, a football team, in any walk of life to be successful. And it's quite evident. I was in the motor trade for a long time as well, selling car warranties to car dealerships. And you could almost tell when you walked into the business, uh, in a, many of the car dealerships, you could almost tell from the moment you walked in by initial reaction people came and welcomed you that the business was well run or conversely not well run at all. And so I understand the, the, the value and quality of leadership. And that's why I'm very fortunate to, to be involved with my career in those early days with two, two great leaders in, in Ron Greenwood and, and Alf Ramsey. Absolutely. And um, since you've already uh, brought him up, uh, Jeff, I think it'd be remiss not to go a little bit further with that. But obviously, uh, after uh, at West Ham, your uh, plan came to the attention of uh, South Ramsey. Now, there's a man, I'm sure when you walked into a room, you knew who was um, in charge. When it came to managing that England team, what was his style like, Jeff? Well, one thing, the first thing I say about Alf Ramsey, he's probably over my life the most powerful influence who had on me um, as a person. Um, mm. Naturally, it happens to an extent because he's got your whole career in his hand, whether he picks you for England or he doesn't pick you. It can have a great impact on your, <laughs> your career and, of course, your life. But yep. he, in that era, I was involved for six or seven years. He, it was quite clear who was the boss. He was quite very, very strict. Probably at a time, maybe overly strict, but at a time you probably wouldn't get necessarily get away with it in, in today's football because it's changed dramatically in how you deal with with players then and players now. But he was the most powerful man I came across, and very few people. And he, he was quite ruthless in getting people out who didn't want to be who didn't want to be part of a group, part of a team. It is important that if you've got a group of people, and that's in any walk of life, they're all singing off the same hymn sheet, and you don't have anybody that's griping or moaning about the system. 
And if you've got people like that in your organization, one thing I have learned and I've taken on my life, my family, you've got somebody in a group that doesn't want to be part of it, you, you get them out. And Alf, I think, was was quite ruthless with that in his, in his staff. And I think that's one, thing I, one of the most serious ones I think I've learned over a long period of time. And is there, do you think, uh, a, a specific moment, I'm sure there's probably dozens, but is there a specific moment, if you could... Uh, perhaps pick right now that did show those uh, qualities in uh, Sir Alf so uh, sharply? Yes, I think for, for me, certainly, um, I think there are instances of players who you thought would, would be in the team or certainly in the squad and surprising there were not. There was no necessary reason for it. But looking mm. back, I do think perhaps they were people that Alf didn't think wanted to be part of the group. Um, so that that's that for me. In terms of my personal view, I think that it looked prior to the um, World Cup that I was going to be playing um, in it, only a few games before. I was I was playing, and I played with Jimmy Greaves in the game against Yugoslavia only a couple of months before the final. And it looked at that stage as if I was going to be, be playing in, in the team. But in a couple of friendly games, more friendly games, before the final in Poland and uh, uh, Norway, I think, in Denmark, mm. I didn't. I played two of the four games. And I probably didn't quite replicate my, my form that I'd been showing at West Ham and in the early couple of games for England. And he, he left me out in the first game of, of the World Cup against uh, Uruguay. He started off with Jimmy Green and Roger Allen. So mm. I, I had an impact of thinking I at that stage, I like I was going to play and didn't start because of just a lack of form. I didn't play quite well enough to justify my position. And somewhat fortuitously, I only got back in the team because of a, a nasty gash to shin um, on Jimmy Lee's leg. And I think what you've said there, uh, Jeff, actually does sum that up really well. And more than that, whilst it's important to have that someone in charge with those qualities, it's almost useless if there isn't a strong and unified team behind them. And there really must have been moments, maybe there weren't, but uh, let us know in that 66 competition, the prolonged pressure on all of you, you know, the weight of a nation, did it get to you? Oh, not for me personally, no. I I think, and I don't, uh, not for me, not for a second. I think Mm. I was just happy to be I'd be involved in the squad initially. Uh, not at all. I didn't. You're not aware of the magnitude of the occasion, really. Looking back, out, out. So I never really felt. People talk about pressure a lot, and it's there. And people, players talk about. People talk about it in life. I didn't really feel necessary to feel any great pressure pressure during the time I was there. And what is also important to say about Alf Ramsey, the people he, he left behind that were left in the squad after he moved one or two players out. The squad were uh, a, a bunch of very hard-nosed, professional, uh, top-quality people. And that was, again, the leadership that I'll show. He, he got people in together that were very, very strong personally. Um, uh, and I think that was part of the success we had. We were very, I always describe our, our group as hard-nosed professionals. Um, we had some great players, but overall, they were great hard-nosed professional players. Um, and great quality people who we've kept in contact with, you know, over the years. 
And Jeff, I've got to ask, and I'm, I'm not making this up, I've genuinely heard that people do ask you whether or not you realise there were people on the pitch at that moment. I imagine you were busy on something else. Well, I, I did some theatre shows last year. They've gone fairly well, and we're going to do a series of uh, theatre shows, in fact, starting this week, over the next uh, two or three months. And uh, at the end of the theatre shows, we have about 20 minutes where we uh, uh, allow the people in the audience to ask questions. And the, the, there's, I won't mention both. They're too long to talk about both questions. Um, one, The other one's a really stupid one. It's too long for me to tell you. It's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> but the, the, the other ridiculous question I get asked, did I realise there were people on the pitch? And, of course, I jokingly say, yes, I was just about to, to shoot to score the goal. And I looked round, put my foot on the ball, and looked round for a little while and said, oh, dear, there are six or seven people running on the pitch. So that's, uh, I've had been asked that once at one of the theatre shows. <laughs> so I joke, make a joke about that and saying, yes, I put my foot on the ball and waited, but just had a, look, had a glance round, you know. Maybe it does prove there are things that such as stupid questions, really. Um... Oh, yeah, there, are, there certainly are. I've got another one which I won't bore you in two. It won't be too long to tell you. Uh, I was in a Jersey or Channel Line, Jersey or Jersey, two or three mm. years ago, and most stu- stupid, irrelevant questions, absolutely nothing to do with football whatsoever, which uh, was absolutely... But I can use that now because it, it is quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe another time then. But we... Um... Uh, well, you want me, I, I can tell you if you want. You want. You got time. I can tell, I tell you if you want. Jeff, go on. Go. On. I think I'd be, it would be silly if I said no at this point. Okay. So I was uh, doing a, a, at a dinner in the Channel Lines, three or four hundred people, black tie dinner, uh, guest of honor. Mm-hmm. And this occasion, I was speaking for about twenty minutes, then allowing uh, questions from the audience at the end of the evening, and there was usual football questions. And then all of a sudden, I heard a, somebody at the back who who asked a question. I didn't quite hear what he said. He didn't have the microphone with him. So I said, I didn't hear what he said. Can you please give mm. this chap the microphone so I can hear clearly what he said? So the chap had the mic and he said, when a turtle loses its shell, is it naked or is it homeless? Right. <laughs> what, what a question. What a question. Uh, well, I think that would be in, definitely in the stupid category, wouldn't it? So we had a laugh about that. Is- uh, well, uh, and we, you've got to have a patient of a saint, I think, sometimes to put up with <laughs> well, things no, like that. But then again, I found it amusing. I just found it amusing. In fact, some of the audience found it highly amusing as well. So it did, uh, um, it did make again, laugh that If you can put up with my questions, you can probably put up with uh, anything. <laughs> um, but there, there would have become a point, though, um, Jeff, I think um, you, you were a young man when see this happened when you must have realized that people teammates began looking at you for leadership um is that something that occurred to you or did you just realize that by by quick one way or the other people actually begin to look up for you for inspiration well possibly that's never really struck me until you've actually mentioned it now quite frankly that's a new a new question mm. does anybody look up to me I'm sure perhaps uh, there are there are people who pay you compliments of, of uh, fans of, of West Ham and uh, of Stoke and, of course, in, uh, England fans who... Um, I, I think probably uh, it would be very immodest of me to to suggest I, I felt that somebody was looking to me for inspiration. 
Um, you, but, you don't but, have to, but I will. Uh, well, um, it's, it's okay for a third party to do it, perhaps. Um, perhaps that may have been the case over the years. Uh, people look at you and um, uh, maybe uh, it has a, a helpful effect. Uh, but I do think you, you, how you behave and set examples on and off the pitch is people must realise that that's, that has an influence, how you react and behave mm. to, to situations on and off the field surely probably has an impact to younger players coming in into the team latterly. Um, yeah. And and with that, looking at um, uh, football today, uh, is there anybody that you think particularly on the field or the sidelines that strikes you as someone with um, those qualities that you could identify in a, in a natural leader? Um. Well, a player, current players, you mean? Oh, players, managers, anybody that uh, you look to today, really? Well, I think some of the outstanding. I think the, the, the best example about a, a leader and at the moment is is, is uh, Klopp at Liverpool. Mm. He has been absolutely fantastic to uh, acquire the players and get them to their attitude is absolutely fantastic. They're great players, but there's more than just being good players in football. It's that a good player with a fantastic attitude and their willingness to work for each other and the team is absolutely outstanding. Hence these unbelievable results. There are, you know, and the great players not always succeed as, as individuals or probably even uh, certainly as a team if you haven't got the right attitude alongside it. And they're probably, and that, that comes through the leadership. That's not just... Luck. Absolutely. That's, that's absolutely leading show. He'd be the best example, of course, in, in football terms today. Uh, easily, easily. And of course, but going back not that long ago, Alex Ferguson, who's just absolutely, mm. you've got to take him as the first example, but Klopp's only done this over a period of time, a short period of time. But if you look at the 25, 26, 27 years that Alex Ferguson did with Manchester United, and subsequently since he's gone, how they've they are not doing so well. He's the best example of management I've seen. We've seen, we've probably ever seen, and I don't think anybody will see the light of that kind of leadership again. It's absolutely astonishing, astonishing. And do you think? Could you imagine uh, Sir Alf or even Ron Greenwood managing teams today? Yes, I think so. I think yes, no, hmm. no question at all. I think they. Uh, Ron Green was yeah. The answer, straightforward answer, is yes. Um, That's a good they, answer. <laughs> the straightforward answer is yes. I can elaborate as much as you want, but the straight answer is absolutely categorically yes. Uh, and with um, and I know uh, if we could talk about this probably for the next hour or so, but um, I'm conscious of the um, time. Um, looking um, back. Uh, through your um, playing career, perhaps especially um, your time uh, for England, who was it uh, that struck you more than anyone else on the pitch uh, that displayed qualities of not just leadership but uh, companionship and and level headedness that you think that have stuck with you all these years later? Well, I think we were very fortunate and I wouldn't take any one player out. I think looking at so that. So many. Yeah, so many. And that's why we were successful because we had so many um, showing all those qualities that you just mentioned. 
uh, throughout the team. I think that that was outstanding in uh, and it's an opportunity to talk about uh, all of them in, in that breath. And there was nobody. And going back from an earlier earlier question for me, that um, all hard nosed professionals, good good teammates, mm. good socially, and that's why we kept in touch with each other on our golf days every year uh, up until about five years ago. Of course, with, with the sadly dwindling yes. numbers, we we still got on. Our wives got on with all together. All those years later, it didn't just finish after '66. That reunion, that camaraderie, that team spirit, mm. um, getting on with each other lasted for, for a long, long, long time. And I wouldn't and when it, when you put those those questions and how you categorise those, I would pick every one of the eleven players um, who you put in that category that were like that. There was nobody else; they were all outstanding. And I think that was a big part. I can't stress how big Absolutely. a part that was. And I've said that many, many times for the success of the team. We have some great players. We have some great players, of course. But without the attitude alongside that, going back to an earlier question, you we wouldn't have been as ultimately, ultimately as successful. Exactly. Without that, you, the 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 whole will never be greater than the sum of its parts. But with it, yes, the word the word is showed. the word is the word is team. Absolutely. And I always use the word team when I talk. Sometimes you know, together, everyone achieves more. And that, that's the same in any walk of life. That, that's fundamental. And uh, lastly, uh, Jeff, looking, if, if you were to uh, give advice, and whether this is in sport or business or indeed any other walk of life, what would you identify, if you can, as the key tenant uh, that you can't go without in terms of leading a team, no matter what that team is? Single mind single mind and this dedication dedication to the job um, thinking about that 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 role that job in leadership all the time it's a huge part of your life but if you, I don't think you can switch off when you're in, in business at the top level or sport at the top level you may you know have a, way, have a couple of weeks holiday but I'm even sure if, if these top managers and lead, leaders in all walks of life are away on holiday on a beach somewhere warm I'm sure there's not uh, they will not switch off for for two weeks um, and completely uh, not think about their role as the boss of an organisation. And I think that's you're completely focused. You're always thinking about uh, things, thinking about improvements, and it's just dedication and uh, uh, tuning your life to being successful. Excellent. Well, Jeff, on that point, thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome. Very good to nice to have a talk about this and just go over the go over the past and just uh, refresh my mem- my own memory about the quality of the players I grew up with. Excellent. Uh, another time, uh, it would be great to talk again. Thank, thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. This has been the Leaders Council podcast. Thank you for celebrating excellence in leadership with us. I've been your host, Jonathan White. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. The views expressed within the podcast do not reflect the views of the Leaders' Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, its parent company or subsidiaries, members of staff, other guests, or any other person therein associated.